can come or do it by Zoom meeting. And if you're interested in Zoom meeting, text or call Pastor Dean at 218-553-0634. And then here's a note from our youth directors, Peter and Linnea Coffin. I'm reading it, they're not here today, so I'm reading it for them. We have a tentative starting date for our TCC youth group. At this time, we are planning to begin on Wednesday, October 21, from 6 to 7.30 at the church house. Due to current regulations, we will not be serving a meal, and we will be restricting our age limit to sixth grade and up. Also, regarding the mandate from our Minnesota governor concerning masks, we encourage you to act according to your conscience and your peace kind of like we do here on Sunday mornings. These things are subject to change and we will keep you informed. We are looking at also a potential youth event on Halloween night hosted at the Bushes home. And then uh, for hearing the service is like just audio, if you want to listen in your car or something, uh, you can go to the church's website and Go to the SoundCloud link for that, uh, or it's just soundcloud.com slash church, and you can get the audio, just the audio. And then just some have been asking a, a memorial service for Darlene Colson that is still pending, the timing of that. So just so, pleased and happy to have Vicki, <coughs> who grew up in this church. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just a little one. In fact, I remember seeing Vicki when she was probably, I don't know how tall you were, but <laughs> just very young. And uh, <coughs> God's calling is on her heart, and she is gifted yes. in bringing the word. And what I said earlier in the service about praise and worship, it's true of the bringing of the word. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged yes. sword, mm -hmm. dividing asunder things that need to be. And mm -hmm. the rhema word is coming forth, we believe, this morning. Yes. That's a word that's like a sword. And uh, it's going to be coming, and we thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear. Yes. Once again, both of us, yes. us here, or all yes. of us here, but then also those that are with us online there this morning. Thank you, Lord. So, Vicki, let you share. God is good. Good morning, and um, good morning to all those who are listening on online as well. Um, I'm just so thankful for the goodness of the Lord. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, Lord, to... Um, to bring forth what you want to bring forth this morning, Lord. We welcome you. We thank you, Lord. We exalt and magnify your name in the name of Jesus. Well, I want to share with you some of the words that the Lord has given to encourage me during this season, basically starting around March when this whole pandemic hit. And um, I am, the things I'm going to share with you I may be preaching them to you, but I am preaching them to me because I need, these are words that I'm meditating on that are my continual help as we're walking through this time. A couple of weeks ago, 
um, I was thinking about what I was going to share, and the Lord just brought the word into my heart, whose report do you believe? Who do you really believe? Who do you really believe? Do you believe him or all the words that are coming from everywhere around us? And who are we trusting in? Um, I think no one would argue that 2020 has been a really challenging year. Um, the coronavirus, injustice in our streets, riots, anarchy, government overreach, infringement on our constitutional and religious liberties, economic crisis, um, isolation, people living in loneliness. It's been a really, really hard time for a lot of people. And there's been a lot of loss. People missing out on graduations and weddings and you name it. And so in the middle of all of this, who are we trusting in? Who are we trusting in and whose word are we giving the preeminence in our life? You know what? God, praise God, he doesn't put his promises on hold in the middle of a pandemic. His promise of healing isn't invalidated. His promise of provision, his promise of protection, his promise to prosper us. He doesn't put that on hold. There's no exception clauses for the promises of God. I'm sure glad about that because you know what? We need to hold on to his word more than we ever have before. We need to believe his word no matter what we're hearing going on around us. We need to meditate on his word. We need to magnify his word. You know, to magnify something is to make it big. The things that we're meditating on are the things that we make big. The things that we're thinking on, the things that we're giving our attention to, those are the things that we're planting inside of our hearts. And our heart is what directs our actions. So, if we're meditating on the word, then his word is gonna get bigger and bigger inside of us and that will be what dominates our thoughts and our words and it's gonna direct our actions. On the other hand, if we're meditating and mulling over in our minds everything that we're hearing on the news, how many people are dying of COVID, um, worries about the election, um, economic problems, if we're meditating on all of those things, then guess what? Those things are gonna get bigger and bigger on the inside of us. And those things are gonna be directing our thoughts and our words and our actions. So whatever we're meditating on, that's what's going to be dominating our life. Why do you think the Bible says to magnify the Lord? When we magnify him, we make him bigger. We make him bigger. And when we magnify him, you know what? We realize how awesome he is, how much we can trust him, how much we can rely on what he says in his word. Psalm 138, 2 says that God has exalted his name and his word above all things. Above all things. Does that include COVID? Yes, it does. 
His name and his word is exalted above COVID. It's exalted above all the doom and gloom predictions that you hear coming from every direction. I just have to quote something our president said as he was being released from the hospital because it just it actually startled me. It grabbed my attention. He said, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. You know what? That lines up with the word of God. We can say yes and amen to that. Don't let this wicked disease dominate your life and take over your life. That's exactly what the enemy would like to do. He is literally controlling people with fear around the whole world. And we've seen it um, as we've been traveling. I mean, it's everywhere. And who do you think is behind that? I love that song that Dane had. We are not a slave to fear. We are not a slave to it. You know what? The enemy would like to trap us in dread. And he would like to keep us in a constant state of trauma. Just let that sink in. That's what he wants to do. And if he can do that, he'll be controlling us. But God wants us to believe him. God wants us to be looking to him and expecting him to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's what God wants us to be expecting. You know, more and more as we see the fruit of COVID, I think it really is exposing the plans and the ploys of the enemy behind this whole thing. He wants to silence the church. He wants to throw division into the body of Christ. He wants to put accusation in our hearts against each other. He wants to stop us from meeting together and ministering to each other and laying hands on the sick. He wants to isolate people. He wants to make people afraid of each other. And he wants to close down the borders so that gospel messengers can't take the good news to the people around the world. Now, so when you look at the fruit of that, I think it's pretty obvious where that's coming from. A while back, um, actually it was right around the beginning of this whole pandemic when it, uh, no, it was just, a, it wasn't then, it was, anyways. A while back, Adam said, I'm beginning to think COVID is a demon because it demands worship and it demands sacrifice. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's true because Jesus said that the devil came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And when you think about the sort of things that have been happening, that's certainly the fruit of this wicked virus. But you know what? God is not stopped by a virus. And I think we can all say, thank you, Lord. Um, and hope and expectancy is arising in the body of Christ. You know, probably since the flood, there hasn't been a time that the whole world is thinking, is experiencing the same thing at the same time. I can't think of one anyways. Um, and so the whole world is focused on this one thing. And since this pandemic began, Adam has prayed, Jesus, take the stage. You take the stage. All eyes on you. So let's turn around the narrative. Let's flip this whole thing. May the whole world be focusing on Jesus. Um, we see some glimpses of what God is beginning to do around the world. I want to just bring to your attention three different things. You might already know about it, but it's really encouraging to me. 
One is the blessing song. We've sung it here. Do you know that song the Lord gave to the musicians like right as this pandemic was starting? And that has gone around the world like wildfire. It's in well over 300 different languages now. Another thing that has happened, just two weeks ago on September 26, over 50,000 people gathered on the D.C. Mall to worship the Lord and to intercede and to pray for our nation. I believe that's a marker. That's something pivotal. Um, and then the, the third thing I want to bring to your attention is a movement called Let Us Worship. Um, it's, it was birthed this summer and... Literally, through this movement, literally thousands of people have been gathering in major cities across our nation. In fact, last night they were in Atlanta, um, which was the 43rd city. I'm telling you, that's going to change the environment. And people are worshiping and welcoming the presence of the Lord and acknowledging, you know what? All the, all the experts, um, you know, all these different things, that's not what's going to save us. It's God that's going to save us. I love this word from Habakkuk. Um, he, he, God gave him, um, he helped him to see behind, beyond the current crisis that Israel was in at that time. And here's what he said in Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And then down to verse, chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will, not might be, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we need to get new lenses so we can see the big picture of what God is doing in the earth. I love how many times in the word there's the statement, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. And then a lot of times after that statement, um, the word will go on to say how big and how powerful God is. And I just want to read some of, a couple of this, this is what the Lord says passages, just to remind us of who he is. Isaiah 44, 2. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you, do not be afraid. And then Isaiah 45, 11 and 12. This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker. It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. Don't you think that the creator of all the earth and mankind, that he's a whole lot more powerful than the sort of things that we're dealing with in 2020? He said, my hands have stretched out the heavens. I marshaled the starry hosts. And then in Jeremiah 33, 1-3, God spoke this to Jeremiah in the midst of what we would certainly consider a crisis. Chap um, this is chapter 3, verse 1. Well, Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard. The word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth... The Lord who formed and established it. The Lord is his name. 
Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Isaiah 52, I believe God is asking us this question. Was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack strength to rescue you? By a mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. Certainly he can rescue us. So you know what? We need to get our eyes up and off of the circumstances and realize how totally awesome and great our God is. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, <clears throat> King Hezekiah had to determine who he was going to believe. Was he going to believe the Lord? Or was he going to believe the threats of the Assyrian king? So the Assyrian king was threatening him that he was going to destroy Jerusalem and then he tried to manipulate and control the people with fear. And how did he do that? He reminded them of the Assyrian king, reminded them of how he had been totally annihilating whole cities of people. And so he was threatening them with all these things he was going to do. He was putting in front of their eyes things that would make them afraid. Does that sound familiar? You know, putting in front of our eyes, this many people died, this happened, negative news, negative news. Along with it, the enemy is able to manipulate us and control us with fear if we grab a hold of that instead of who he is. Um, and so, King, um, the enemy king sent Hezekiah a, a letter. And I want you to notice how the king of Assyria tried to use God's line instead of this is what the Lord says. Here's what the king of Assyria said. This is Isaiah 36, verse 4. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Well, down in Isaiah 37, the king's officials, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's officials, brought this letter to the prophet Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah said. Tell your masters, this is what the Lord says. You do not, be, you, you do not need to be afraid of what you have heard. And then he goes on to say, because I'm going to. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. Your enemies are not going to have power over you. And so the Lord is declaring the victory that's coming, and he does it against all odds. It was impossible odds, and God totally delivered them. And so when we look at that story of King Hezekiah and the Assyrians, you know, we think, of course, you know, they should have known God was bigger. Why would they not trust in him? It's always easier to um, say that after the fact, isn't it? So my question is, what about us right now? Who are we placing our confidence in? So we need to start declaring God's word. This is what the Lord says over our circumstances right now. Um, I want to just um, now share just some of the key words I feel 
well, anyways, they were big words the Lord has given to me during this season. At the beginning, it was like fighting fear, fighting worry, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. Um, and the first word the Lord gave me was Psalm 91. And um, I just began to declare that and pray that every single day. I prayed it over our family. I prayed it over our nation. I prayed it over our state. Um, it was like just continually coming out of my spirit. There's just something about praying and declaring the word of God. It causes faith to rise. It causes faith to grow inside of our heart and it pushes out the fears and the words of the enemy. And you know what? We can be really confident when we're praying his word. I just want to encourage us to do that. Because when we're praying his word, we're praying his will. And in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says that if we're praying according to his will, we know that he hears us and that if we know that he hears us, we know that he's going to answer the request that we have made of him. And God's word works. It's operative. It's powerful. Isaiah 51.11, God says that his word that goes out from his mouth will not return to him empty, but that it will accomplish what he desires and that it will achieve the purpose for which he sent it. That's something to meditate on. When we're praying and declaring God's word, God can fully back it up. And not only that, when we're praying his word, according to Psalm 103.20, it says the angels hearken to the voice of his word. So we're actually activating angel activity that are there to carry out the word of the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask you right now um, to to pray with me, and I actually want to invite you to pray out loud with me. Um, the slides, I'm going to have slides of portions of Psalm 91 and also Luke 10, 19. And I just want us together as a body to pray this and to declare this. So starting in verse 1, you can join me. I think it's up there, right? Lord, since we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We say to you, Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, our God. In you we trust. Surely, Lord, you will save us from the deadly pestilence, from this wicked coronavirus. Your faithfulness is our shield and our rampart. Your faithfulness totally surrounds us. Lord, we will not fear the coronavirus that stalks in darkness. We declare, according to your word, Lord, that even though a thousand may fall at our side, and 10,000 at our right hand, it will not come near us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have made you the most high our dwelling place and our refuge, and therefore no harm will befall us, no disaster will come near our dwelling. 
Thank you, Lord, that you will command your angels concerning us to guard us and protect us in all our ways. Thank you, Lord, that they will lift us up in their hands so that we will not strike our foot against a stone. Thank you, Lord, that we will tread upon the lion and the cobra, and we will trample the great lion and the serpent. According to Luke 10, 19, Lord, you have given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Lord, we trample the coronavirus under our feet. And Lord, we thank you that according to your word, nothing by any means will harm us. We declare that the coronavirus will not harm us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Yes. So, <clears throat> another word that the Lord gave me during this season was Isaiah 44. <clears throat> I was really starting to get bothered by all the doom and gloom messages about COVID. And it was really hard, and it still is, to even know what is accurate information, what is truth, and what is a lie. Well, in Isaiah 44, um, we'll start in verse 18, Isaiah was um, addressing and talking about those who were worshiping idols, those who were worshiping something else, something other than the Lord. And I think that's pretty relevant for the days that we're living in. Um, so let's start in verse 18. So people that are worshiping idols or worshiping something other than the Lord, their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. And their minds are closed so they cannot understand. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie or an untruth or a sham? We, we actually need to be careful what we're feeding on. <laughs> we don't want to be feeding on ashes, on the bad stuff. Because you know what? If we're feeding on ashes, um, that's, that's going to put us into a place where our heart can mislead us because that's what we're planting in our heart, right? So we don't want to be feeding on ashes. And if we are feeding on ashes, then we won't even be able to recognize the lies and untruths that are basically right in front of us. And so when people, and I believe across the world even, that this is the case, so many people have been feeding on lies, and so they, they can't even see this. And when people are deluded like this, they don't even necessarily know that the things that they're saying and promoting are untruth. You know, I'm not saying they don't really believe those things, but um, if we feed on ashes, then our hearts 
can get, um, our hearts can end up misleading us. Hey, let's jump down to verse 24. Um, I've included in parentheses those words that are in the parentheses. Those are ones that are from, um, um, from the Strong's Concordance Dictionary that just helps us to understand the words better. Like these are different ways the words could be translated. So um, in verse 24, here's another passage. It starts with, this is what the Lord says. And what does he do? He starts to tell us how all-powerful he is before he even gives us any any instructions. He says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. Certainly he's able to heal us if he formed us in the womb. I am the Lord. I have made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. I spread out the earth by myself. Yay. Verse 25. So, he says, I foil, I break up, and I frustrate the signs and the evidence of false prophets and liars. I make fools of diviners. Um, diviners are basically those who are determining things by lot. They're guessing things, they're conjecturing things. Um, and so the Lord says here that he makes fools of diviners. He, he, um, in the Hebrew dictionary, it includes the word stultify. I didn't even know what that meant. But stultify means to make um, appear stupid, inconsistent, and ridiculous. Um, I don't know if anyone else has noted that there's been a good amount of inconsistency in some of the things that we've been told and probably some pretty ridiculous things too. And so finishing um, the next part of, it's still verse 25, the Lord says, I overthrow the learning, the knowledge of the wise. That's the intelligent, the skillful, the artful, the experts, okay? And I turn them into nonsense, into silliness. Those are in places of influence and authority, those who are experts in medicine and science, they may have a lot of things right, but they aren't necessarily always right. And we have to remember that. I remember the story that Joyce shared with us about the mouse that in reality ended up being a mole. And the point was there that things are not always as they appear. Um, then, in verse 26, the Lord says something pretty remarkable. So he's just said that what he is doing with the words of the so-called experts, he's told us what he's doing with those words. And now look what he says about the words of his messengers. I carry out the words of my servants. I fulfill and make complete the predictions, the plans, the advice, the counsel, and the purposes of my messengers. Ooh. I think it's pretty important that we get our words lined up with what the word says and that we start declaring them. We start declaring them to our circumstances. Um, you know, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So when we're declaring God's word, we've got God backing us up. All right, I have one. This... Uh, 
Another scripture, the third key scripture portion that the Lord gave me was Psalm 37. Um, I was, <clears throat> during all the shutdowns and stay-at-home orders, and um, I was starting to get pretty upset. I was a lot more upset about the government overreach than I was about the coronavirus, to be honest. Um, and just the alarming infringement on our religious liberties and on our constitutional rights. And so the Lord spoke to my heart about not being poisoned by anger. Because I'm telling you, I was pretty mad about some things. And I can't say that I don't still deal with that. And so these things to me, like I said, I'm preaching to myself. These are ongoing things that, like, Lord, keep working on my heart. So let's look at Psalm 37 together. Verse 1 says, Do not fret, blaze up in anger, because of evil men, those who are doing evil, or be envious about those, of those who are doing wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. You know, it's really good for us to remember that man's stuff is going to pass away, but God's stuff is eternal. So trust. Take refuge in, be confident and sure in the Lord, and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Verse 7. Be still. Quiet yourself before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret. That means to blaze up in anger. That really brought that word alive. Don't blaze up in anger when men succeed. And that means when they're pushing forward. Like, so when men are pushing forward in their ways, in some ways that just simply don't line up with God's ways. And when they carried out their wicked, when they carry out their wicked schemes and plans, what should we do? Verse 8, refrain from anger. And actually, it, that word refrain means to slack and pull back. And the word anger, actually, in the Hebrew, it actually describes something with a greater intensity than what we would normally even think about anger. And then it says to turn, to turn away from wrath, relinquish wrath. And the word wrath is what really grabbed me. It means heat, anger, poison, poison from its fever. Poison from the fever of anger. God doesn't want us to be poisoned by anger. We're not going to be able to be walking in the spirit if we're poisoned by anger. And um, so if you found yourself angry at some of the wicked things that have been happening in our nation, I think the first question we have to ask ourselves is, is it righteous wrath, right? Because Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. So there's an anger that's not sin, right? And we do need to have courage to stand up for what is right. In fact, I believe God, I believe the word, the call to the church right now is courage. Be strong and courageous. Rise up. Be courageous. But in doing that, we have to guard our hearts that we don't let anger poison us. I believe the Holy Spirit can give us discernment 
to know if we're letting ourselves be poisoned by anger. And so one of the questions we can ask is, am I praying for the ones who are acting wickedly? I think that is definitely a checkup. I know it's a checkup on my heart. Romans 5, in Romans 5, God says that he loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies. And so I just feel the Lord asking us, you know, are we willing to do that for others? Are we willing to love them while they're still sinners? Are we willing to love them while they're still our enemies? In Matthew 5:44, Jesus said that we should love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. I've written out a prayer, and I want to just pray it for all of us. And so here I'm just inviting you to join me in your heart. Um, the words should be up on the screen. Father, we want to keep our hearts right before you. Show us if the poison of anger has found a place in our hearts. We repent of that, Lord. Please forgive us and help us to walk in love. You said that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Lord, help us remember that we are not fighting against flesh, flesh and blood, but that we are fighting against demonic powers of darkness. Give us your love, Lord. Give us your love and compassion for those who are lost and without hope, Lord. According to Romans 12, 21, help us, Lord, not to be overcome by evil, Lord, but to overcome evil with good. And Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, back to Psalm 37. <laughs> We're um, finishing up verse 8 here. Do not fret or blaze up in anger. It leads only to evil. And the word evil there means good for nothing. So, um, the poison of anger is bad for us physically it's bad for us socially. We'll find ourselves saying things that we shouldn't be socially if we're poisoned by anger. And it's bad for us morally. You know, God has said he's going to take care of the wicked in, in his time. Verse 9 says, For evil men will be cut off. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. That's great shalom. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their feet, their, not their feet, their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked. He knows their day is coming. In verse 17, the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Then down in verse 19, the Lord gives a wonderful promise to the righteous. Here's what he says. He says, in times of disaster, I would say, you know, a lot of people would say the time we've been living through kind of feels like a disaster in a lot of ways. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. 
in the middle of disaster, we can enjoy plenty. That should really assure our heart. God's goodness doesn't change in this time. It doesn't change in hard times. Jeremiah 17 basically says the same thing. Verse 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. I noted that line in one of the songs Dane had this morning. When we're trusting in the Lord, like that tree, it does not fear. No fear. It does not fear when heat comes, when hard times hit. Its leaves always remain green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. So we can be fruitful in the middle of hard times, in the middle of crises, in the middle of pandemics, in the middle of crazy election seasons. Um, so I just want you to join me again in your heart um, as I pray. It should be up on the screen too. Lord, we determine to trust in you during this time. Our confidence is in you. We declare that we shall be like a tree planted by the water. We send out our roots to the stream. Lord, we do not fear when heat comes, when pressures and troubles come. Our leaves will always remain green. And we declare over our lives that we will never fail to bear fruit, even in a year of drought, even in the middle of a pandemic. In the name of Jesus. I have one final passage that just highlights and compares the frailty of man to God and his word, and this is Isaiah 40. All the men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever to whom then will you compare god he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth see how god is getting our eyes up on him again and its people are like grasshoppers he stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in he brings princes mayors and governors and congressional leaders and presidents to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. He blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I just love how God calls us to get our eyes off of the circumstances and to ponder how great he is. So... Let's not be terrorized anymore or alarmed at the things that are happening right now. This is a declaration. I think maybe I was feeling some kind of symptom come on me, and I just realized 
how just like these tiny little things, like a little headache or something, how all of a sudden the enemy comes, you've got COVID, you know? I mean, it's like the enemy is trying to terrorize us with this. And so this declaration just rose up in my heart. I will not be terrorized by the coronavirus any longer. I'll not be terrorized by cold symptoms, by headaches, by sore throats, by any other symptom that tries to invade my body. This wicked virus shall not harass me. I will not bow down to it. I will not sacrifice to it. I will not worship it. I am not under its control and its dominion. It's not going to direct my life or dictate to my life in the name of Jesus. So we're going to lift our eyes up. I just declare that over us in the name of Jesus and off of the circumstances and on to God's mighty word because it never fails. And Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so... Um, I'm going to invite you to pray with me one more time as I'm bringing it to a close here, okay? Lord, we believe you. We believe what your word says about protection, about healing, and about the authority that you have given us in the name of Jesus to trample on all the power of the enemy. Thank you, Lord. Concerning the unrest in our nation, Lord, Forgive us for all of our sins against you and against humanity. Forgive us, Lord. Father, in your great mercy, grant us peace in our nation that comes from reconciliation with you. We ask that you would arrest this spirit of anarchy and heal the broken people who have yielded to it. Lord, give us a heart of compassion. Heal our land. And Father, concerning the elections, Lord, we ask that you would give every righteous candidate favor in your eyes, favor in the eyes of the voters throughout our country in the name of Jesus. Expose and bring to a halt every devious effort of voter fraud. Lord, we declare that you are our king. You are our lawgiver. You are our judge. It is you who will save us. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the United States of America as it is in heaven, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So guys, it's our time to believe God. At this time in history, it's our time to be strong and courageous. It's our time to prophesy to the circumstances and tell them this is what the Lord says. I'm going to end with the verse that we started off with Habakkuk. Look to the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Vicki, I believe this is the time. Would you lead us in prayer also for the Supreme Court? Yes. For Amy, yes. Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett. Yes. And for the hearings that are coming up this week. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father. Lord God, you are so great. You are so powerful, Lord. 
Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that every device and ploy of the enemy to try to disrupt and interrupt or abort the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court would be stopped in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that her confirmation would go forward. We ask, Lord, for words of wisdom. Lord, we ask for, um, yeah, just being able to move aside all the fog and everything else and that just clarity, um, clarity of the truth, Lord, would come forth. Lord, we're just asking for your favor on Amy Coney Barrett. Lord, we ask that you will uphold her. We thank you that she's our sister in the Lord. Father, we ask that you would protect her from every um, act of the enemy to try to come against her. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over her, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over these hearings, Lord. We just ask, Father, Lord, that things would go according to your plan in heaven. Lord, I don't think it's any accident that we're sitting at this time in history, Lord, right now. And Lord, we just ask for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that Amy Coney Barrett would be, supreme, would be um, confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that, that's, that was a darkness-piercing message. It was a darkness-piercing word from the Lord. And um, you may want to listen to that again. I think I will. You know, I was saying you can do that either live or uh, on the archive video, or you can just have the audio version of it. But also, just a reminder, we can forward these, you know, like from Facebook, I guess YouTube, to, you know, personally forward it to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. the Lord puts someone on your heart just to forward that mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's piercing darkness. Yeah. It's the Word. Yeah. The Word of God pierces the darkness. Amen. It's the word of light. It's the word of truth. And it, mm-hmm. and it pierces the deceit and the false. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. Yeah. Thank you, Vicki, for sharing that with us mm-hmm. so much. Amen. Mm-hmm. Just one more thing I'm going to do you this morning. I was saying, Lord, you want me still to do that? He said, yes. So I'm going to, in my spirit. And that's, uh, Vicki, it was Psalm 37, 19, I believe. In time of disaster or evil, we can enjoy plenty. Well, how does that happen? Well, here's an example. And this is something that I sourced, and this would be like our blessed life moment here, we could call it. But this is even speaking of our needs supplied in times that are hard times. Well, this is sourced from Pastor Sid Litke, Port Washington, Wisconsin. And it speaks of the widow of Zarephath. And this is from like 2,880 years ago. This happened. But it also can 
happened today. This is from 1 Kings 17, 17 through 14. And this passage tells us the story of God providing for a widow in a small town northwest of Galilee along the Mediterranean coast. And after three and a half years of drought, three and a half years of drought, God sent Elijah to this widow who was living in financial fears, provision fears. There'd been a terrible, ominous fearing growing in her heart for several years because there was no rain in the land. They could not grow anything. There was no welfare, and especially in this pagan Sidon. This wasn't Israel where people at least knew that they were supposed to care for the widow and the poor. As far as she knew, the starvation process would begin after this meal. There was nothing to eat anywhere. And then the prophet Elijah showed up. First he wanted a drink. His brook had dried up and he was thirsty. She must have had some source of water, so in spite of her own desperate plight, she does the proper oriental thing and aided the traveler. But this next request stopped her in her tracks. Bring me bread, he asked. Right. Kick me when I'm down, she must have thought. I have no bread. I'm about to die with my son, and you want me to bring you bread? But Elijah does not back down on his request. He sets in place a test of the woman's heart. He says, don't be afraid. Go make bread like you said, but make mine first. This sounds selfish of Elijah, but Elijah represents the God of Israel, and the God of Israel and heaven and earth is sovereign and to be obeyed. And as God's representative, Elijah promises her a miracle, but she has to make his cake of bread first. Now the woman has a decision to make. Do I divide my very last meal? This means that I and my son will not even have the hunger pains subside today in the scant hope that something might be found tomorrow. It means the hunger starts today, not tomorrow. Shall I do it? She had to wonder. This is a man of God representing the living and true God. He has promised to provide miraculous for, miraculously for me, but do I really believe it? Do I believe it enough to give this man bread that leaves me hungry today? She decides to trust God. So she made the bread, dividing the little she had and giving to Elijah first. Giving first. How does it work out for this widow? Well, 1 Corinthians 17, 15, and 16 tells us she went away and did as Elijah had told her. 
So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. God did the miracle. Perhaps it was the next morning after feeding Elijah that a miracle occurred. In the morning light, she grasped the flower jar to pick it up. It seems to be stuck to the table. Is it possible? I emptied it. No, it's not stuck, it's full. She grabs the oil jug, it's full too. Maybe she screams in delight, maybe she wakes up Elijah and her son and maybe Elijah had a sleepy, I told you so, look on his face. God gave her and her son their daily bread. We don't know how God did it. Maybe there was an angel on special assignment each day just to fill this widow's jug and jar. There is the angel ministry in this day. They're on assignment to those who are heirs of salvation. And yes, it does include the areas of provision, the areas of finances. In some way, God created extra oil and ground flour continuously for this one widow and her son and God's servant Elijah until the rains came again. God went into the flour making business and the oil pressing business for a brief time because this special woman loved, trusted, and obeyed him. Probably life was never quite the same for this woman spiritually. The God who she only knew at a distance was now her divine provider. He cared personally for her. Does God still do that? Certainly. That's the way God is. He cares about us personally and reaches out to us relationally when we're devoted to him. For the eyes of the Lord who move to and fro throughout the earth, they do that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Strongly supports, and that's talking about provision and finances as well. That scripture makes me think of Mark B.T., whose birthday it is today, I believe, right? Am I right? It should be no surprise to us that God uses the area of financial giving to test our heart and then to draw us close to him as we trust him and obey him. And Lord, we do. We just thank you that even in the evil day, in the day of disastrous things, even financially when that can happen, that you will provide for us. And we know that the example is there from 2,800 years ago. Lord, of this widow of Zarephath 
and Lord, we would follow, we would make the same decision that she did, to be those who are giving first, and then we see your supply come. And Lord, of our tithes and offerings that we give, we give them as unto you, in Jesus' name, and we do believe in you. We trust in you to bring full provision and to supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I bless you all as we go in this week. If there are any that would like prayer, you can come forward for prayer or ask someone out there for prayer. You know, just receive it. Yes. You got something, Scott? Thank you, Vicki and Pastor, for sharing this morning. The Lord this morning put on my heart a strong burden. And uh, I just, all through the service, have been compelled, have been compelled to share it. <clears throat> I believe that this country that we live in, the United States of America, is in a spiritual battle of epic proportions. If you agree with me, raise your hand. I don't think that this day that we're living in is any less significant than the Civil War or the Revolutionary War. The fate of this country is hanging in the balance. I have three questions. Well, first, there's a phrase that says, desperate times require desperate measures. I don't necessarily like the word desperate because it has connotations of strife, whereas I think we need to be living out of faith. But just the same, desperate, desperate times require desperate measures. And I have three questions. What is our church in America doing in the hour that we're living in today. What is our church here doing in light of the hour that we're living in today? And then finally, what am I doing in, the, in light of the hour that we're living in today? You know, Daniel, he prayed and fasted and he moved heaven. Archangels moved. The Bible says that, our, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. Daniel prayed and fasted, and he moved Michael himself. And, and they, though that heavenly battle shifted the heart of a king. What can we do? Well, it's, tomorrow is 21 days till the election. And I believe that God is calling us to a prayer and fast. I don't know what you have faith for. Some of you have faith to fast 21 days. Some of you maybe two weeks, some maybe one week. Some maybe only a day or two a week. 
but I want you to pray and ask God what he would have you do. We should be able to carve out in these next three weeks some extra time to get on our face before God and plead for our nation. You know, since 1973, 60 million babies have been, over 60 million babies have been aborted. Sacrificed on the altar of convenience. And every one of those sacrifices fuels our enemy. This is an epic battle like we have never, like this country has never faced before. So I just pray that you would this morning get with God and ask him what he would have you do between now and the election. Thank you. I agree with that, what was just said there. And, you know, we've been piercing the darkness this morning here with those that are here in this building. There's just here, but also you that are joining us online and such. But this can continue. I mean, it doesn't have to just be an hour and a half, two hours a week or this day, but it can continue. And I've had that same urgency in my heart that this is the time. Thank you for bringing it together in that word there, Scott, you know, for us. And yes, well, I just, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but, but just listen to that. But then listen to the Lord and what he tells you. And, uh, you know, this building here, we can, there's the building, if this is where you would like to pray, but, but, you know, we can pray anywhere, but the building is available for prayer. Next, and, and then just a, a thought here. See, the Lord had me set up these different things as I seek his face I see this time is so important this and the word that comes forth who's going to bring it in this day is it me or Joyce or someone else and uh, I, I knew that today Vicki was to do that we, we had that settled next week Gus is going to bring a word you know this was a real teaching today Gus, there's a prophetic gifting there with teaching, but there's a prophetic gifting. So be praying for Gus in this next week in the word that he would bring for us. But all of this, you know, we're a part. We're, we're a part of the greater church, and that was part of what Scott's word was there, was to the greater church, but then to us, but then individually too. But we want to do our part, right? And I so include you that are watching online there. Please, stay in tune, stay in touch. Because you're apart from the fellowship, there's a warning there. I mean the fellowship in-house. You need to stay strong with us that are getting together. Do you hear that? I'm talking to you. Stay with us strong. We're going to do that, aren't we? We're going to do that. 
We believe in you. Staying strong with us. But we want to do our part. We don't want to drop the ball for what our part is in this, in piercing the darkness. But you see, like what we did here this morning and then what we continue to do through the week, it's like one of those brooks, you might say, that comes through the mountain and then joins another one. And before you know, it's a stream and then it becomes a river and a great river. A river of light that pierces through that darkness that is there. Hallelujah. And we stay in joy in the Lord through it all. In joy, I noticed that word in Psalm 37, 19, it says, in the midst of disaster or evil day, you will enjoy plenty. We can't get off of that. We need to stay in the joy of the Lord because it's our strength. Amen? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I think we should say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. So God bless you and keep you and keep these things in mind. And let's be praying. Seek the Lord about the fasting part for you. There's lots of different kinds of fasting too. Could be food or some kinds of food. It can be other stuff in our lives. Praise God. Everyone said? Amen. Amen.